Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, and welcome to my podcast, And She Was... I'm Julie Wilson-Nimmo and I just love the chat more than life itself. I cannot get enough of it. This podcast series aims to give inspirational, eloquent and motivational women who live and work in Scotland a voice and a platform to share their enthralling human interest stories with us. I love gabby, feisty women and I'm fascinated as to how they got to where they are today. In this week's podcast, I caught up with fellow actor Michelle Hopewell. Michelle and I first met as actors in Glasgow's Tron Theatre when she was still training at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. I was immediately struck by how talented she was, but also by how assured and grounded she was. I predicted then that she would go far, and I wasn't wrong. She's gone on to build up an impressive portfolio of TV, film and theatre credits, whilst at the same time making a name for herself as a blogger, activist and writer focusing on mindfulness, race issues and women's empowerment. We had a fantastic informative chat. Have a listen. Now, listen, before we start this, genuinely, I keep forgetting I'm not on like Radio Scotland like that's ever going to happen. So I noticed that you're Michelle Chantel Hopewell, but then sometimes you're Michelle Hopewell. What do you want us to call you? Uh, Michelle Hopewell's fine. It's it's such a long name as it is, just even Michelle Hopewell. <laughs> so we met at the Tron Theatre in a show called Miracle on 34, so 34 Parnie Street. Yeah. And me and Michelle were... Were we girlfriends in it? Kind of at the end of Ruined It. Yeah, kind of. The spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> and you just left the, the drama school? Are you, I hadn't even left yet. Are you still there? Yeah. If you want to start us there, that's fine. We don't need to talk about acting for any longer than that if you don't want. But if you start us there, then that's quite a nice wee segue into us being friends or wherever we go from there. Yeah, so I was in the beginning of my third year it was my first professional job. I was so grateful for the opportunity. I think also just to kind of be outside of the environment that I had been in for so long. It was kind of like the moment to discover who I wanted to be outside of training. So it was just like, it was amazing. And the whole 
experience going I had to go back to drama school I was like no I'm ready now I felt ready to kind of like be in a room and learning in a room because obviously the the learning never ends but I felt ready to be learning outside of an education setting and it taught me so much about myself and when I think back on who I was the kid that brought me to who I am now I'm really I am really proud of her because she was always on edge oh my gosh she was just determined to do her best to not let anyone down I was like I don't want to be the weak link <laughs> I would go home every night and be like I don't want to be the, the weak link there was not a single weak link in that cast everyone was amazing but yeah that was kind of like the beginning of my journey and it it was everything that I needed I think as well to just kind of give me that confidence boost because that was definitely something that I had struggled with because it's just yeah there was so much that I didn't even really know about myself I remember in my first year we were all sitting in a voice class and it was a really casual voice class and our lecturer asked us like oh how is everyone individually and everyone everyone gave like really generic answers and I was like, I don't know what it means to be a woman. <laughs> like I, was, I was literally always going through it. I was so dramatic, always so insular, always having these like existential crisis. And yeah, so it was, um, it, I needed the opportunity by third year to be in an environment where I could just stand on my own two feet That's and... Cool yeah let my confidence build and be okay in myself and do you mind me asking did they support that question when you asked it i, I mean I'm, I'm getting a wee vibe of everything wasn't rosy there were you at the conservatoire that's where you trained wasn't it yeah that's where i trained right. i think yes and no it's hard because the experience that i had was kind of tough because i was in the place in my life where i was questioning a lot of the markers of what makes me who I am, like some of my identity markers, like what it meant to be black, what my blackness meant to me, what it meant to be a black woman in a space that was predominantly white. And there was no sounding board. There was no one to really understand where I was at. And so it was just kind of like a baptism of fire where, yeah, it was kind of sink or swim. I was like, I either really lean into the fact that I came here for a reason and lean into being confident in who I am and not try and be anyone else or I just walk away and I was like you know what no way I've gone too far I've gone too far to quit on myself so that was kind of the moment of come on you can do this I remember leaving college and thinking that as well and going I don't know what I'm going to go out into the world and be like in that environment it sounds terrifying yeah but you don't feel like that now so much, do you? Um, no, I mean, like, I've definitely experienced rooms that are really tricky to navigate. I'm definitely someone that, like, feels really deeply. And I pick up on, you know, energies and vibes and anything that's, like you said, unproductive in a political sense. I've just never been good at that. Like, I am that person that goes to press night, eats, uh, like, you eat the fries and you go home because I'm just, like, <laughs> I, I'm, socially, it's very overwhelming for me. And so, yeah, you, obviously, you experience rooms and people that are tricky. And I think that happens in any industry. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. And you just learn to adapt and you learn to say, to not even take it personally as well. I think I've learned that people are in the place that they're at when they're there. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't have to be a reflection of me and where I'm at. And 
if they're still learning and growing and healing and they've decided that they're going to bring some of their pain into a room and use it against other people I just say you know what I'm going to be thinking of you I'm going to be praying for you but that's not what I'm bringing into this room and I'll very much advocate to protect anyone that might be in the crosshairs um including myself so yeah I think (laughs) it's such a cliche isn't it like actors (laughs) difficult actors (laughs) but but it's true and actually it's like this is your time like I genuinely don't want to sound like your nana on here like or your grand because when you put it so eloquently like that genuinely and I follow you on Instagram not as a stalker and your genuine friend but you can see things like that on there and I go does Michelle do that like somebody on the outside looking in and you can see it like that you're so good at seeing your truth you're so good at saying do you know what this is what I believe in and I'm going to talk about it and it's completely to be admired but I watch you through the world of Instagram it's so strange isn't it but that platform for you Michelle if you don't mind going into a bit of depth explaining that to people that maybe haven't came across you on Instagram how you use that as a tool for yourself and to get messages out there that you believe in Mm. would you mind talking about that I think I started using Instagram almost as kind of like a diary in a way. I think we all kind of do that. That's kind of how it started um, as a way to process some of the things that I was feeling and, and I was going through. And over time, the audience that I have grew, which was really amazing, but didn't detract, I think, from the purpose in which I started the page, which was to kind of, process and express myself and I think kind of what I was talking about before in terms of what I was dealing with when I was training and having these realizations about myself and trying to build who I am as a person um, we're trying to discover who I am as a person and some of that ended up colliding with the conversations that I was having online with it started off with people that I know and then now it's people that I know and people that I also don't know obviously <laughs> strangers like you said Instagram so weird social media so weird but strangers who don't know me as a friend or even as an acquaintance but have identified with the things that I talk about because we meet the same intersections whether it's talking about uh, women's health or mental health or anything really I've become very pro body and mind kind of like cultivating your body and mind and doing the work that I think uh, has become much more normalized than it ever was even like 10 years ago I think being really candid about mental health being really candid about our physical health and advocating for ourselves and like I said before kind of like my identity as a black woman and what that means to me those are all things that social media has actually given so many of us a space in which to process and unpack in. And before social media, it's not that it wasn't happening. It's just, it's empowered so many people to explore in a safe way. You know, I always say that like everyone's got like a multitude of different aspects of their personality. And I'm someone that's very much like that. I'm a introverted extrovert by career, extrovert by career, because you have to present as larger than life in what you're putting forth. But actually, the introvert in me is very much, oh, like I said, she doesn't like press nights. <laughs> like, socially, <laughs> she is still very shy. And social media gave me an extension of being able to not necessarily be extroverted, but 
be open and honest and vulnerable and transparent in a way that wasn't as scary as it necessarily is when you're right in front of someone or people that you know not that I still do that because I'm an oversharer (laughs) but yeah it's been kind of like a vehicle for just exploring who I am and what that means and in the process it's become a really holistic space I like to think for other people to feel encouraged and supported which I really love and I just I think that's kind of my purpose for the page now is to just create a space that holds space for so many people and so many different experiences. I've learned so much from your Instagram like even yesterday like going on the way you do it it, talking about women's health in particular and I'm zoning in on on just that one at the moment Mm. you have explained things on there and I went I didn't know that at all like maybe I did and I sort of shied away from it or I've heard Mm. about things and it's like you do it in a really cool way as well. It's not like throwing down your throat. You're standing there saying this is what happens and you've got, you know, all your different sort of signs coming up and stuff. And you did the other one the other day, like, what do we want to throw in the bin about talking about our bodies? And mm-hmm. the response you got back was amazing. All the subjects that you covered are fantastic and and please keep going about it. It's just, you must get great feedback, do you? I do. I'm, I'm always, I feel really privileged actually when I get messages from people who either their reflection point for the week or for the day or made them reconsider how they're approaching things or seeing things and like it does because obviously it's so even though I'm we're having a wider conversation that I've, like multiple people are privy to a lot of it is so intimate like it's a vulnerable thing to admit Uh, we've been conditioned from childhood to have a response to really intrusive questions or to ask those intrusive questions ourselves or to have issues with our bodies, to have learned all of these things like, oh, we, we have to say we can't wear white or we have to say we can't wear stripes or I have to shave my legs or I have to do this, I have to do that. And just kind of all of this pressure to turn up and be these versions of ourselves that actually don't even exist and versions of ourselves that we don't even want to be. And so unpacking that, dismantling all of that, it takes time. And I know there'll still be moments where I get flustered or I don't know exactly what to say when someone asks me an intrusive question because it depends on where we are mentally, like what's going on in our lives, like just where we're at. Like it's so overwhelming, but there is still unfortunately just like, like it's socially acceptable to feel like we have ownership over each other's bodies. And when you really think about it, like how ridiculous is it? Like, why do I care if someone's put on weight or they've lost weight? Why do I care if they've changed their hair? Why do I care if they shave their legs or not? What relevance does that, like, is my life so devoid of meaning and responsibility and stress that I've actually got time to entertain what someone else is doing with their bodies? Like, it's wild, but we've been taught to care. We've been taught to not even care, but prioritize seeking out the changes in each other and either having a comment or commenting on it to other people. That's just how it's been for, you know, before either of us were here on this planet, that's how it's been. And so changing that, normalizing the change of that is something that is still very new and it's gonna take time to filter into 
everyone's households, everyone's communities where we're teaching each other and calling each other in and respectfully saying like, oh, have you ever thought that maybe you don't need to actually say anything? Like, you know, and we're all we're all guilty of it. I am included. When I think back on questions that I've asked people, I cringe. I'm like, why did I ask? What? Why did I ask that of you? But it's because like we grew up in a society, in an environment where it's normal to ask people and be super intrusive. And I'm not going to lie, I come from Nigerian culture. It's very much part of Nigerian culture to be super intrusive. Like aunties and uncles who were like, so when are you getting married? When are you having kids? Like, oh, what are you doing in your career now? And like having to have an answer, we're all culturally tied up in that. And then socially and traditionally it's, it's so much, it's exhausting. It's a, it's a wonder that any of us are functioning. <laughs> what I love about this whole way of thinking, Michelle, is that it's making people think. And I think yeah. if we can do anything or if we can learn anything, and, and I'm a great believer in always learning different things all the time. And, and you're right, it is exhausting, but we have to put the work in. It's For me, it's like going to the gym and going, you mm. go to the gym and you always feel better. You just do. Now at 49, went, yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for yourself, you want whatever it is you want, you want tighter muscles, you want to feel strong, whatever it is you're doing it for, do mm. it. Because you'll feel for yourself, you know, you're never really going to lose there. And I get that now. And it's like this, when I'm thinking about things going, I get really genuinely excited by it going, you're stimulating these conversations that are difficult, but otherwise, what are we what are we learning? But you seem to have such an energy for it all, don't you? I mean, you really, really, you really do. Yeah, I think, yeah, just kind of how you phrased it, the idea of what is what kind of world, what kind of society are we handing over to the generations that come after us? Like what are we hoping to change? What cycles are we looking to break because we're very much like humanity is like you know we do kind of live on a loop and some of the loops are really harmful and toxic and we have the power to change it and we have a responsibility to do it but we also have the tools and the power to do it and it starts from home and it starts from us as individuals and talking to our like it does seem like really intense when you're looking at it right in front of you but when you think about it how many kind of like vulnerable conversations do we have with our like our close friends and how weird would it be to actually bring some of those conversations into the group into the dynamic of the conversations that we have like it's easier than we think and actually you don't know how you're changing someone else's life as well so even though they don't necessarily have access to the conversations that happen online and some of these conversations that seem super radical or super like different, just by you being exposed to it and then you taking it into your family, into your friends, into your community in the way that you understand, the ripple effect can be amazing. You're going to change someone else's life just by receiving that information and being willing to say, oh no, yeah, I can do something about that. And so you're changing other people's lives, which is amazing when you think about it like that and say like, eventually, you know, you were thinking about your nieces and what they're exposed to online and what they're receiving as their new normal. But as they get older, just by being in your life, 
the women, the people that they'll grow up to be when they're looking to the next generation, who they'll be in their life is so exciting because they had you. Like, that's amazing. They had you, you are in their lives and you are changing their lives just by being you, just by being who you are and saying some of this isn't quite right and I can I can speak into their lives and that's it, You've you've changed them and that'll stay with them forever. So when they have whoever's in their life, whatever young people come into their life in the future, or even right now as as young people as they are, they're going to change someone else's life. I could listen to you saying things like that all day, but you do make that sound easy. You make that sound really clear to me and really like <laughs> easy. And that- When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's what gets me excited when you talk about that ripple effect because you don't necessarily think like that, do you? You don't go, I'm not going to have any effect on anybody. And then you go, you need to stop that and go, if you're ready to receive and you're ready to change then you're right when you put it like that, Michelle, That's that gets me really excited because I go, yeah, something is working and something is shifting and it's that's what I love. It's the, the not knowing that I love, the not knowing that we've got to have hope and keep going because it, I do believe it can get better and I do believe that that's why like people like us that you know you're an overshare so am I that's probably how we get on but (laughs) that's how we fix things through talking and being brave and going do you know what I don't understand this and a lot of things that I've learned through you I've not even told you this when um 
Black Lives Matters came up and um, you told us different things to go and read. And, and I talked to friends that know you about it and they were doing exactly the same through you. I don't know if... Um, and I kept wanting to get in touch with you to say thank you for that because you were like, here's things that you can learn from. It's up to you to go and look at it. And, and mm -hmm. you know, that definitely changed the way I thought about so many things. And actually when I'm sitting thinking about now how I spoke to my two children about it, mm -hmm. you know, and what you're talking about, that's a difficult situation. But at the same time, if something good can come out of any of that time, mm -hmm then that's it. It's talking and communicating and learning. And, you know, I'm sure you received loads of messages during that time as well, Michelle, because you were prevalent and helping a lot of people during that. I mean, I don't know if that was the whole point, but I think it, it must have been. It was someone to go, right, help me through this. I'm really confused. I'm hating loads of things about this, obviously. And then going, oh, my gosh, how do we get past this? How do we move this forward? What do we do? Do you know what I mean? Have you yeah. done talks about that and stuff, Michelle? Because I think it'd be brilliant. Well, I, when I was training, I I was part of the Black Student Union and I did a lot of stuff around that. And I think, like I said, obviously one of my Black identity was definitely something that I was trying to sort through during my time training. And so it pushed me to become part of the union and to actually be practical and say well what can I do to not to support other peers because I know my experience hasn't been great but I know I could maybe help support someone else in theirs and so I think that's kind of what started my kind of started my passion in terms of representation and inclusion especially in the arts for actors of color especially black actors and that's kind of like the perspective that I come from in terms of everything that happened last summer and I, I love that you actually had a conversation with your boys about it and that's exactly what I mean is it literally starts from home and even though obviously it happened in the midst of like the most wild global experience the world was quiet enough for the first time in so long to be able to even hear what the black community was saying and so the fact that you were able to have that conversation with your boys and you don't know who your boys would have talked to after they had that conversation with you. And so you going away, learning, and then speaking into their lives so that they could ingest that and in some way probably speak into other young people's lives and how they approach other people of colour is so, like, that is what's powerful. And that's how we're going to actually do some of the work that we need to do because the bigger structural uh, racism that exists in terms of, like, within the infrastructure of how we run as countries that's going to take some time to undo but the racism that exists just within our everyday lives that we can address like that takes every single person caring and wanting things to change and it just takes one person and like I said, it's a ripple effect. And so you saying, okay, I'm going to use this as a learning opportunity and I'm actually going to listen and then apply it to my own family. Is you applying it to your community? That's what needs to happen. It's a community effort. It's an everyone thing. It's not just a, a black community thing. It's an everyone thing like us genuinely saying, how can we achieve equity and equality is that's for everyone it goes across the board and then it speaks into all marginalized groups. Like how do we support each other? Like I like to say online to kind of like my audience, like we are our neighbor's keeper. Like we are responsible for each other. And like the pandemic taught us that. 
yeah. you know, whether it is checking in on, you, you know, like your elderly neighbours or like however that manifested for people. Like we weren't, you couldn't really be alone. You had to, everyone was searching for a sense of community, but that's because we are a community. Like we are responsible for each other. So yeah, I think that's, it's, it's amazing. It was obviously like a tough time in terms of like some of the things that, you know, you've experienced and you haven't unpacked some of the trauma that exists, some of the pain that exists. And it can be very overwhelming also being centered as like, you know, all black people don't speak for all black people. <laughs> like it doesn't work like that at all. But being centered as like a font of wisdom, but because that's not how I view myself. I just view myself as someone who is passionate to see things change because I know they can. And that goes for everyone. Like when we learn to view things from a certain way, when we bring hope into it, when we remember like actually there is hope, think then we know things can change and we know that we can be part of it. We know we can do it. It can happen. Do you mind me asking as well, just giving us a, a little insight to you and where you're from and what inspires you? Ooh, okay, so um, so my family's originally from London and we've moved around quite a lot and we ended up in Scotland well over 10 years ago now, probably like 13 years ago. And I always wanted to be an actor, but I was, again, scared self-esteem issues and and to be honest I feel like there isn't a performer alive that doesn't have self-esteem issues I feel like it attracts the people that have them actually um so yeah I always wanted to do it but I didn't have the confidence and actually remember the thing that made me want to do it my parents had saved up and taken us to see The Lion King in London and I was literally I've never been more excited in my life and how old was I? I was probably about eight or something, eight or nine. And I sat in there, we got in and there was already like an atmosphere and I was like, oh my gosh, I was, <laughs> I was so into it. And I sat down in the sea and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just like the best day of my life essentially. And the music started and I started sobbing. Oh. Like I, I sobbed from the beginning to the end. In the interval, my dad was like, Michelle, if you, if you can't stop crying, they're going to make us leave. And so I try, I try to like keep it in, but obviously when you're a kid, you don't really know how to like cry gently. So I was just like covering my mouth the whole time. And then when we left, my dad was like, my mom and dad were like, Michelle, why did you cry the whole way through? We thought you would love this. They were like gutted. And I was like, no, I'm not crying because I didn't like it. I'm crying because I loved it. And that was it. I'd literally, I was crying because I'd fallen in love that day. That was like, that was it. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And then flash forward, like all of your adolescence, again, where you don't have much confidence. Because I was always, I always felt like the odd person out. And, you know, it was all of the things you experience in your your adolescence, feeling like the weirdo. And so I just didn't have the confidence. And I didn't really, again, it was a moment of, uh, the confidence didn't really come in and it's not even necessarily confidence I just decided like am I going to do this or am I not <laughs> and I was like I'm going to do this and then that's basically how I started I started my training really late I know people train from like when they're just wee babies and things but that wasn't me because I just I was like oh, I can't do it. I can't I can't perform in front of people 
and so it wasn't really I didn't start seriously like trying to train until I was around 19 which is in my eyes that's really late so by the time I got to the conservatory I was one of the oldest me and one other person Matthew were the oldest on our course and I'd had like kind of life outside of that like there was a point where I thought I was I wanted to study Russian literature don't ask me why like I thought I was gonna be like a history teacher I don't know like or an English teacher I had a completely different like career path in mind and I just chucked it I was like no that's not what I want to do and so by the time I actually was in my first year I felt like I had a little bit more of a wider sense of life I mean did I really I was still like 21 (laughs) I was still a baby so I didn't but I just thought oh okay I I took it really seriously I knew like if I'm here it's because I've I'm committing to this and so that was the that was the start for me and then everything was just a roller coaster after that so like yeah getting to do the panto with you guys was literally the fruition of little Michelle's moment crying her eyes out in the theatre <laughs> watching Lion King. Do you remember how old? That's the thing I meant to ask you. I didn't want to interrupt because I was enjoying the picture of being painted so well. But how old were you? Can you remember how old you were when you seen The Lion King? Can you remember? Were you really wee? Or? When did it start? I think I was, no, I was about like, I couldn't have been more than 10. I can't remember when it started. I think it was maybe 1999. So maybe I was nine or 10. Mm. Yeah. For people that don't know you, she, she has the most beautiful voice, like, Honestly, without you, you just need to hear her. So, when did you did you always sing? I'm just trying to paint the picture. I mean, did you always sing or? Yes, I always. I was always. A, I always sang. Um, so my parents are actually ministers. So I grew up singing in church, uh-huh. and even though so I always grew up singing, but when I was in high school, was kind of like when I was tentatively taking the steps to performing. So I took performing arts as like a, as one of the courses you could take on for your GCSEs, and so my parents came to see uh we did Chicago my parents came to see me as Mama Morton and at the end of it they were like you can sing my whole family was like Michelle sings and I was so I remember being so offended I was like what <laughs> li- you literally heard me singing in the house my whole life but I think it's you know when they yeah. they saw me in a way they hadn't seen me before in a way that I had never really allowed myself to be seen because again you're so afraid you're there was so much there was an issue with confidence and suddenly they were seeing someone who was like who's the baby I'm the baby of the family they were like whoa we never even imagined we didn't even know you really liked it that deeply let alone that this is what you wanted to do so that was my family's moment of being like oh so you can do this then <laughs> you like you actually can sing they have to see you out with the house and obviously you're like you've been singing you're like yeah of course I sing but that they almost had to see you away from the family home and going right okay this is she's in a theatre now she's doing this and so do they love the fact that you're performing now do they do they still get I I bet they're so proud of you is basically what I'm saying oh they love it mum mum just cries mum's default is just to cry So she's like enjoying watching it. But yeah, she just, her default is just to cry. But they loved Rapunzel as well, by the way. My whole family was talking about it for ages and they thought you were so funny. <laughs> they were literally like, and they also like, obviously, because they've gotten over the fact that I do it now and it's my job, they also have to highlight everyone who's not me. <laughs> so they highlight all their 
favorite yeah. and you were their favorite so i was like oh okay and did you like me and they're like oh yeah yeah, yeah you're fine <laughs> i hate to tell you that never changes <laughs> Yeah, my dad, I mean, honestly, he'll come, you know, you're standing there and you just still feel a little girl, you're like waiting for him to say something about you and he's like, oh, I'm Michelle and uh, dad, I mean, dad, what's he like? He's a bit, he's like, huh? Yeah, you're like, yeah, me? It's so bad, isn't it? We're, you're exactly right. We're all we're all sort of wrecked and our securities are skewed with focus. That's all you want. But, oh, so I just want to ask another couple of wee things. You went from there, and just to fill in the listeners, so she went from the Panto, basically you graduated, and then, have I got this right, you went right into Matilda, the the tour, is that right? So I did the Panto, I did the rest of my, like, the shows in that year, and then I went to do Sister Act in Stevenage. Sorry. And then when I was doing that show, I was going to London, like, in between rehearsals and in between shows to audition for Aladdin, and then that was the first big thing that was in within the same year of graduating which that completely blew my mind Jonathan my husband who always says this thing like, he always says like oh you'll always have that like when he sees a character on a show that like they have their big moment you're like you're not going to see them again he's like they'll always have that that was like oh. you'll always have that moment yeah it was just it was wild it was literally the wildest year. That the West End, Michelle. Well, that that was a lad in the West End. Yeah, that was the that was my West End debut. It was wild. <laughs> oh wow! And and you still you were there for a year doing that? Yeah, just over a year. Yeah, and then did you then get cast in another show off the back of that? That's how it works, is it? Um. So yeah, then I just I did some bits and bobs around other things. I came back up here and did um a tourist streetcar named Desire and a Scottish, little Scottish tour, which was really nice. And it was really nice to be home as well. And yeah, then I went on to do the the tour of Matilda. If there's something that you've not done yet, Michelle, in the arts, if you like, in your career side, that you've not done, what would that be? Or or maybe even easier than that, what would maybe be your dream job that you've had, a, you know, because I know you've done film and stuff. I seen you in that Netflix one. Oh, you were great in that because I watched it because you put it up and I went, I'm going to watch that. I loved you. You were brilliant. Oh, it's, like, it's scary being on a big set like that. Oh, I mean, that, that was a baptism by fire because obviously I... I hadn't really experienced a full set before and it was just like... We should just... Michelle was in a Netflix Christmas movie. Is it Sister... What's it? Sister Switch? Princess Switch. Princess Switch, because they made one before and then this was the other one and my friend Juliet Cadzo was in it as well. So I knew it was going to be good. I was like, these two are in it. It's going to be fab. <laughs> but honestly, I was watching it and I was frightened for you going, wow, this is a big deal. Were you, were you yeah. frightened? I was literally terrified like I walked onto I walked onto the set and I was like like the whole thing I felt like I was kind of faking it till I make it I just in that moment want to present as calm and I hope I did I'm sure they were probably like novice over there but yeah it was so it was total baptism by fire like standing on the mark the lights everything but I loved it oh it was like I didn't realise I was starving for the experience. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is amazing. It was my, it was my, it's been my next Lion King moment where I was like, oh, actually, this is, this oh, is the God. environment I want to be in now, which is really exciting. But yeah, it was amazing. 
And Vanessa Hudgens is so nice. I think you will. I'm totally being your agent, but I think as well in watching you and Rapunzel that we, I keep having to say it, that we did for the National Theatre of Scotland. It was an online project that was filmed. You were very, very natural in front of the camera, like proper, like you looked like you'd been doing it for years. I'm not just saying that because obviously it's hard and I've, I've, I've had to learn it over the years and stuff. And I look back and things at the beginning of my career and I'm terrified looking, but in that Netflix one as well, within Rapunzel, you just looked so chilled out. So oh. that's working for you. Keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. but, and I, I think interrupted in your question. So is there something you'd like to hone in on then? Would you like to do more films? Would you like to do more telly stuff? Is no, that- I, I, yeah, I would really kind of like that's my focus is trying to do a bit more TV and film now, but... Also, like the thing that scares me the most, but the thing that I also really want to invest energy into is playwriting. And even saying it out loud seems like so absurd because I don't even know like what to do, like where to start. So, I mean, I know where to start. I've written things, but like then where to go with it. And yeah, again, it's another thing that I'm having to build confidence in because I'm like, who am I to say that I want to playwright? You know what I mean? But actually I'm just like, right. Do it. Wow. Well, if I can pass anything on there and being married to a writer and, you know, I've only started to write comedy things in the last year. And if I'm annoyed at the time that I've wasted because nothing might come of it, again, putting ourselves down, there is no mystery to it. You want to write, Michelle, write. You want to playwright, playwright, do it. Just do it. And, and I'll say that it's been an invaluable thing and I'm passing it on to you. Just getting the pad out and writing whatever it is you do computer wake up midnight anything just write and you'll go with it you'll go with it and and I think nowadays as well the help out there and even putting like final draft on my computer was like this looks like a script It's so amazing and, and I can't wait to see what is coming for you Michelle you deserve all the success, you're a blooming grafter and you're an inspiring, inspiring woman and long may it continue. And oh, that, Jonathan, that Jonathan's a lucky man. <laughs> My goodness, I could have listened to Michelle all day. My grateful thanks to Michelle Hopewell for joining me on this podcast and shining a light on these important issues. And thanks to all of you for listening. You can find future episodes on Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. With thanks to Matt Ramsey for editing and mixing this episode. This podcast was produced by Solace Sounds. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.